0: how to self-publish your passion into a business with special guest John Teague on today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Novo, the no-fee business bank that refunds fees charged by other ATMs, even internationally. Get $25 when you sign up today at servemaster.com front slash Novo. That's N-O-V-O.
1: Are you tired of dealing with your boss? Do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss and start living your retirement dreams now. Then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by best selling author Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host.
0: Hey guys, welcome to the first episode in a new series where we're going to be interviewing experts from around the world. Trying to take the podcast to the next level and I hope you're excited. We're going to start putting out two episodes a week. We're trying to get a lot of these interviews in place because we want to give you amazing content. And the beauty is that I record these by video, so if you're watching this on YouTube, you're gonna get to see some live action in just a moment. Today's episode, very exciting. John is gonna talk about how to build a successful business doing something you love, how he helps experts and entrepreneurs learn how to share their messages, and everything you need to know about the self-publishing process and building a business around your writing. I'm very, very excited to share this with you guys, and you're gonna get to see my interview starting right now. So hi, everyone. I'm so excited to have John T here. He's the best-selling author of Crush It! with Kindle. He's an online marketing expert, entrepreneur, speaker, and a business coach. Now, before striking out his own, he had a career as a corporate lawyer, but I know we're not going to hold that against him because he decided he wanted more from life. His mission today is to help experts and entrepreneurs share their message with the world so they can build a successful business doing something that they absolutely love, live life on their terms, and inspire others. So John, I'd love to know what inspired you to start writing. What started this journey for you?
2: Hey, Jonathan. Well, thank you for having me here. And uh, yeah, so it goes way back to even before uh, I became a lawyer, and I, I I, always love to read. And I wrote my first book back in 1998. So that was a long time ago, more than 20 years now. Uh, this was back in the day, kind of old school, where you had a double gatekeeper system. So you had to get an agent before you had any chance of getting a publisher, and then the publisher had to sign up as well. So you had kind of a double system to get through. Um, and I couldn't get an agent and a, and a publisher. And I, that was 1998. I put a lot of time into that, but obviously it didn't go anywhere. And uh, then I had another go at writing back in 2004 and same situation. But a few years later, KDP arrived. That's Kindle Direct Publishing, which is Amazon's platform. Uh, I didn't hear about it for, for a, a number of years. It, it launched at sort of the end of 2007, but I discovered it in 2012. And, uh, that was the point where I thought, well, you know, maybe I can do something with maybe all that time and effort and energy wasn't wasted. And so I got into it then. Um, and my fourth book is the book crushing the Kindle that you mentioned. And, uh, because I, I started doing it for me just because uh, I had these books that I'd written and not published and I had other stuff that I wrote. And yeah, so that was the, the whole thing. And it was, it didn't, Hit me straight away. i had been writing and and I put a basically I put a system together for myself so I could market and publish and market my own books, and then it kind of hit me that I could actually teach this and combine. So I i got I, by this stage I'd left law anyway and I'd become a, I was an entrepreneur doing some stuff in the online space. So I fallen in love with the marketing side of it. I love books and uh, writing uh, and I love teaching. So I suddenly had this kind of epiphany moment when I realized I could combine all three of these things. And that was when it began. So it was sort of late 2012, so which sounds like a long time ago now.
0: <laughs> so so you built an entire business around your writing now. And it's amazing you went on that journey. I know that so many people tried the additional publishing route. I know it certainly didn't work for me. It's, even I couldn't even get an agent. They wouldn't even show up when they did make a meeting with me. So I know that experience, but maybe you could tell us about, um, that process in 2012 and how you started to develop your marketing process. Cause most authors, I know we think it ends when we hit upload. We think once we hit end the pro the work is done, mm-hmm. but I've learned over the last decade. And I know, you know, it, that that's where the work begins. So how should someone approach writing who wants to get into the, this process? What should they start looking at first?
2: Yeah, well, these things have evolved. uh, uh, Well, some things have evolved and some things haven't. So, some of the things that were were, uh, true in 2012 or before are equally true today and will be equally true in 10 years. Some of the tips and tactics change as the platforms have evolved and the social media changes. So, um, I mean, I can sort of tackle this in in a couple of ways. I can talk about some of the things that are kind of fundamental um, and then we can go from there. And really, you know, usually. There's a lot of stuff that begins before you publish your book, which is, which is good because um, it allows you to kind of get those boxes ticked uh, ahead of time, if you like. The big ones, really, from a marketing point of view, are things like having a good cover, and we can get going into some detail on that if you want. Uh, a good title, again, you know, people do judge books by their covers and by their their titles. A subtitle, which is. Kind of more for for keywords, particularly on Amazon, where probably 80% of ebooks are still sold. Uh, uh, you need to get your book in right like categories again, so it can be found on Amazon. You need a good description. So these are all things that can be sort of set up ahead of time. You can tweak them, but you know you want to get these broadly broadly right. Also, you want to have a what a, a professional book, for one of the better expressions. So really, when you self-publish on Amazon. The system is such that there's no reason why anybody should look at your book and, and notice any difference between your book and a traditionally published book. Um, you can get the formatting can be all the same, the structure can be the same, you know, the front matter, the, the back matter, there are certain conventions that you can follow. So doing all of those different things so that uh, A, people can find your book, B, they'll notice it, B, they'll be sort of intrigued enough to check it out and have a look at the description. Um, they won't be put off because they won't think it's, it's, you know, it, it doesn't look amateur. It looks professionally done. Uh, and obviously I'm kind of taking as a given that the actual, the content is, is solid. It's it's a good book. But the key thing to remember as an author, as a writer is you could have the best book in the world. It could be absolutely superb, Pulitzer prize winning stuff, but if nobody can find it, nobody knows about it, you're not going to sell any copies. That's why this kind of stuff is fundamental and it's particularly important because there's a ton of things you can do to market the book once it's published and this, and also stuff in the lead up to publication uh, that you, you want to get in place as well. But if you don't have these fundamentals right, I call it like foundations, is how I usually refer to them. So your type, your cover, your keywords, your categories and so on. If you don't have those right, you're kind of throwing money away because everything you do will be less successful. Flip that around. If you get those things right, and they don't have to be perfect. Don't get hung up on being perfect if you're doing this particularly for the first time. Um, but if you've got them broadly right, uh, then everything you do after that to market will be much more successful. Uh, so, so that's kind of the way to think of it. It's a sort of almost like a two-stage process. Get the fundamentals done before you publish the book, and then you can worry about the actual marketing
0: process uh, after that. I think you've added something really critical there. You know, I've been doing this for a decade, almost as long as you and been teaching this for five or six years, and yet still I consistently see people who put out terrible covers and there's no other way to say it. And that was interesting. You mentioned bad titles as well. I haven't noticed that as much because usually I'm so thrown off by the cover. My experience with bad titles is I can't tell what genre the book is. I don't know what it's going to be about with bad covers. There's so many big issues. They can't figure out what causes it. So maybe you have a perspective there. Cause that's something that really interests me because it's such a critical yeah. error. Cause I have seen people with amazing books, doesn't matter. The cover kills every single sale. Mm.
2: And you're right. And I think if, if you can't get past the cover, you, the title's almost irrelevant. Um, and so, yeah, I'll give you, uh, well, not you personally, some, some tips on covers, but perhaps, again, just before I do that, just to stress that it's, if you, a useful way to think of this is from the perspective of the, your prospective book buyer, uh, and it's a linear process. So they've got to find the book, either through search or through keywords, or it's got to be showing up as an also board, something like that. I'm I'm talking about Amazon. Um, But then that cover's got to catch the eye, it's got to sort of pop off the page. Because remember, if it comes up in search, there's going to be potentially 50 other, uh, well, categories, for example, it shows 50 at once currently. So there's 50 thumbnails as people are scrolling through. So if yours doesn't stand out, you're not going to get anywhere. So that leads me to the first thing, which is you want to have a cover that pops off the page as a thumbnail, not as a full-size cover, because that's not how people ever see it until after they bought the book. Uh, it's got to be eye-catching visual as a thumbnail sitting amongst all that noise on the Amazon page. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, uh, hopefully you've, got a, you've crafted a great title, uh, and the title should be easily readable whilst the book is still a thumbnail. Subtitle's not uh, important in that respect, or not nearly as important. Uh, but the title should be readable so that means you need to, whatever your background predominant field color of the background is your uh, title should be highly contrasting probably uppercase but not necessarily you've got to make sure it fits with the genre or the niche that you're in we'll get to that in a second um but it's got to be readable because yes it's true that you've got your cover and then you've got the amazon puts the the wording next to it of what it is but the eyes are drawn to the cover first and foremost and they may or may not read what's written next to it so you want that to be readable. You want to pop up the page and have a highly readable title, which means because of the size constraints, you probably want a shorter rather than a longer title. Um, doesn't have to be super short, but it, you know, if it's, if it's yeah, <laughs> ten words, you might start struggling. Uh, so that's something else. Um, and then here's a really obviously you want it to be professional and attractive, but uh, a really key thing for both you and your book designer, whoever you're you're, you're working with it's got to fit with that niche or genre and so going back to the point you made about titles not being able to tell what uh, niche something's in same goes for covers so you'll you'll typically certain types of covers fit with certain niches or genres and so part of your job as the author is to spend time whether it's in a, a a book shop or uh whether it's browsing amazon and looking at the different categories that your book is going to be in ultimately and getting really familiar with what are the books in there that are at the top of the charts. What are the, and particularly have a look at ones, not just the kind of flash in the pan ones that might be there for a couple of days, but have a look at the books that are at the top of the charts that have lots and lots of reviews and clearly have a lot of traction and a lot of staying power, and try and pick out common themes. I mean, you know, you can imagine a thriller, for example, with the, the sort of the iconic lone silhouetted figure um, uh, and, the, and the sort of hazy lighting and they're kind of backlit. Uh, Contrast that to, the, to a romance cover, um, which has probably got a completely different color palette, completely different, probably got a cursive font rather than a, a bold font uh, than a you know a, a um, sans font. And and if you spend time studying that, you'll you'll you can pick up the kind of stuff that will. Uh, sort of visual cues that will tell your prospect that they're in the right place because if they're buying that type of book and this is equally the same for, for self-help books or how-to books as well this exactly the same with fiction or non-fiction um and put together uh again for your designer you want to you want to pick out you know three or four or five covers that you like that fit with your niche or genre to give them a sense of what what you want them to produce and sort of follow those, think of it as a style guide. So if you follow those rules, um, so you've got you've got a cover that pops off the page, your title is uh contrast well, so it's readable, has a thumbnail, uh, and now you've got a book which is professional, attractive, but fits very much with that niche or genre. Uh and now you're well on the way to almost instantly and almost subconsciously communicating to your prospect that your book is for them. And it's it's at this step that so many books uh kind of fall over. And it's really, really hard to recover if you don't get that that stuff right in the first place. Again, however good the book itself might be on the inside.
0: I think that's really interesting. I, so many people that I talk to, they approach the book cover emotionally, and they say, oh, I just want a cover that I like. Mm-hmm. And they start from that place. And the problem is, like for me, I don't read nonfiction. All I do is write nonfiction books, but I, all I read is pulp science fiction. And so mm-hmm. if I just put what I like, Every one of my book covers would either have a sword, a dragon, or a robot. <laughs> As one of my ex-girlfriends used to say, if there's a sword on the cover, you're going to read it. And that's what we we sometimes forget. I love that you speak so analytically and realize that it's really switching that mindset going, it's not about me, it's about what the customer wants or their expectation. Because sometimes uh, this happened to me. I always remember the stories that I never saw the movie Donnie Darko for a really long time. Because on the cover, it had that scary rabbit head. And I go, oh, that's a horror movie. I don't like horror movies. And then one day my friend fired it up and I was like, why is the cover so scary? It's not a horror movie, it's a totally different genre. And mm-hmm. I always wondered if that's why that movie became a cult classic, but it wasn't an instant hit. I wondered if the cover right out the gate really hurt them. Yeah, it was a cool cover, but it mm-hmm. looked like a horror movie. And so I think about that all the time and you're absolutely right that we have to switch to that analytical mindset, which makes me think of how many people say, oh, I'm a writer, but I don't really think of myself as a writer, I say that to people, I'm an author because they understand that term, but really what I do is I sell books and that's the business mindset. I think switching yeah. that mindset is so critical. So you were talking earlier and maybe we can build on this or what are the key steps that one must follow when they're building an author or a book business, when they're switching from the writer mindset to the business mindset?
2: I think the first thing is is to go back to what I already said, which is to think of it as a broadly speaking, You could you could break it up further, but Broadly speaking, it's a two-step process. So you've got getting the foundations right—that's the covers and, the, and everything like that—and um, then and then doing the marketing. And think of it that way. And and also sort of embrace the marketing. You you know uh, if you and you can always get help with this. Um, but if you think to yourself, "I'm a writer. I'm not a marketer." That's going to kind of that that's going to hamstring you a little bit and make it harder to succeed. Uh, so the more you can. Uh, embrace the marketing side of it and understand that it's a means to an end you know you have if you have great content you know you want to get it out of the world so you do need to understand at least some of this stuff uh so that you can direct your cover designers and if you're working with people to help you on the marketing side you you kind of know how to steer them and make sure that they're they're doing the right types of things um and uh i mean there's a i guess there's a ton of stuff that we can talk about in terms of how to uh i i suppose let me take a step back so the, the next question if somebody was coming to me i, I would say to know, what what is it you actually want from this is this a royalty play are you just planning to write a lot of books and you want to generate royalties or uh, do you want to build some sort of back-end business off this are you trying to collect leads to upsell people through a course of coaching or you know, position yourself as an expert through your book. So I guess the answer to the question depends a lot on who the, uh, who the audience is and what it is they want to achieve through. it.
0: I think that's really good. So a lot of times, like whenever I take a client, which is very rare, but sometimes I do, I always say, what do you want to achieve from this book? Do you want to sell a lot of copies? Do you want to get as many copies of people's hands as possible? Do you want people to actually read the book? Are you trying to make money from book sales? And that's, that's a really great question because most people don't have an answer to that. So even asking that first question is so critical because they go, oh, if I just sell one copy, I'll be happy. And then you sell Mm -hmm. one copy and you're not happy because it's not really (laughs) a goal. We give ourselves these small on-the-way goals. So I think that's really, really great. We're talking about uh, the mindset in order to be ready to build a business is to actually think of it like a business, start to approach it like a business. Um, And what – are the components of an authorship business. We, you know, a lot of people have talked about, we had some other great seminars about the process of writing a book. People talked a little bit about Amazon ads, but in a broader structure, what's the difference between an author and an author business?
2: Okay, so, I mean, if I, if I just kind of do a high level overview of both the, the royalty play and the building back a business thing that there's an overlap, but they're not the same. And then if, you, if we, we can dive deeper into either of them, or both of them, if, if you want to up that. So if, if if you're going down the 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 royalty road, and I, look, I know a lot of people. For for me, it's more about the back business. So I don't really care so much about the royalties. It's more about getting the books. In, the, in fact, positioning myself, getting my books into the hands of people, so I can build an email list and, and go from there. But I know plenty of people who make some crazy money from uh, from the from royalties. You know, four figures a month, five figures a month, six figures a month. Some people. And, uh, I think part of it is whichever route you go down is you need to be committed and, and build it up over time. And you might not be fully committed. You might have a job it and it might be a side project, but over time you can, you can build it up. So obviously it's going to sound like a, 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 it's, it is a truism, but the more books you have, the more you can sell. Uh, now if particularly if you're, you know, if you're a fiction writer, it's, it's easy to put together a series. Um, but if you're a nonfiction writer, again, I'm guessing chances are your books are all going to be broadly on similar themes. So related. So there's going to be lots of opportunities for cross selling. Uh, so that's something that you can do through your books themselves. You can have links to your other books. Amazon will put those in automatically if, if it's a Kindle version anyway, but you want to make it as easy for people to be aware of your other books as you can. Again, uh, you know, for Kindle books particularly, it's the ultimate impulse purchase. Somebody gets to the end of the book, they're not ready to go to sleep if they're reading bed, and they can literally, one, they can get the next uh, next instalment in the trilogy or whatever it may be. So, you know, that it's a fantastic opportunity from that respect uh, for us as writers. So, writing more stuff, uh, making sure people are aware of it. I, I, there's a couple of things you can do to sort of really turbocharge that. Let's say you have a series of three books you might discount the price of the first one, but you know, books book's very very pricey, so as you, as you drop the price, sales will go up. Um, so you might discount the price of the first book to get more new readers in and assuming, you know, you can test this, but if, if enough of those readers go on to read books two and three and four and however many, it's worth losing royalties on the first book to bring all those new readers in and, and get them onto your author platform and get them buying the rest of the series. And uh, and uh, it, there's a well-known strategy in the industry of setting up a perma-free book, which is where you give away. You can give away through Amazon and through other channels a probably a short book. It might be a novella, it might be a, qu- a quick, you know, you know, five quick tips if it's a how-to book, something like that. Something which is going to be ideal for your target market. Introduce them to your work. Be a logical sort of your series is going to be a very logical following from that. You can give that away for free. And then from there, you can get first of all, people discover you, and um you can use that as a platform for building your author platform and getting people onto your email list and/or social media, uh, but also as I say, introducing people to the rest of your series. So giving away something for free, which sounds very counterintuitive, is actually a really powerful way of building up your readership quickly. Works very, very well for fiction and nonfiction. Um, so that's those are a couple of tips there on on the on the royalty side of it and of course the great thing about the royalties is that you know you you can start making royalties from book 1 even if it's just a side hustle type thing as you build up your portfolio those royalties increase and if you've got the foundations right and that's what we were talking about at the beginning uh you should be able to sell quite a lot of books just just sort of organically through amazon because the the algorithm will will pick it up uh that, that your books are being successful uh, particularly if you do a little bit of, of stuff to just launch them and get them going kind of give them a little bit of momentum, then Amazon will sort of take over. Now, flipping across to uh, a, if you think about it back in business, obviously critical is is building up your email list, but I would say you you want to be doing that equally, whether you're a fiction or a non-fiction writer. So having something that you give away at the beginning of the book, which incentivizes people to give you their email address in in exchange for some kind of bonus, having more than one call to action, certainly having a reminder at the end, but if it makes sense and it fits with the flow of the book, some people do it after every single chapter, or sort of sprinkle it in where it makes sense to do so. Um, and, and, and don't be afraid to test. You know, if, if something's working, um, doesn't seem to be working well. Maybe you're only getting you know five or ten percent opt rate. Test something else and see if that that works better. Or change the copy. And it's very <coughs> excuse me. One of the great things about Amazon is that you can upload a new version of your manuscript within, and it can be live. Typically within about 12 hours now, it used to be 24, it's even quicker. So you can test very easily. And there's a, I saw a great presentation by Hal Alroy, who's the author of The Miracle Morning. Uh, it was it's a couple of years ago now, but he was getting, he said he was getting 80%, which is un, almost unheard of. I mean, it's obviously he's doing it. It was like a cheat because it's five things you do every single morning. So it was like a a little checklist that people could follow and some other stuff. And it was such a perfect fit with the book. He was getting this absolutely insane opt-in rate and building this absolutely enormous email list of literally thousands and thousands of people coming on every month just through the book. So unlike most people going out and paying money to build an email list, uh, he's getting paid royalties while while he's building this list, which is one of the nice perks of being an author. You actually get paid to build a list. Um, and so there, you've got that email list. Uh, you can also encourage people to get you build build a page or a group and encourage people to get onto that as well. So there is a synergy if you can be communicating with people through email and through social, uh, and then offer them your whatever your backend product or service or course or whatever it may be uh, that your it's your area of expertise. So it's yeah, get, getting it out there and, and building the list and. and not being afraid to test different stuff to see what resonates with your target market.
0: Wow, that's such a good overview on how to approach books as a business. And I know that you're actually passionate about helping other people succeed. And what I was wondering is, what mindset do you think people need in order to be ready to start building a business? What's the key mindset, that first piece?
2: Yeah, I think one of the first things, uh, let's assume the book's written um, and that people have taken on board the idea that, yes, you've got to. Be a, um, particularly if you're building a business that you, you're going to want to be marketing anyway so uh that will kind of take that as a given but one of the things that i that i've seen a lot is comes up over and over again is, is people being a, a, afraid to put their stuff out to the world so they've written a book but they're sort of sitting on it and they haven't got around to publishing it or they've done the course or they've created videos but they're afraid to put them out there and uh, so i guess the first Thing I would say there is just you know put it out there. Don't be afraid. Not everybody's going to like it. That's okay. You, you know, not everybody likes the Dalai Lama. Not everybody likes Tony Robbins. You know, you, you, uh, it, everybody's uh, going to have uh, some detractors, but that's okay. Um, so so yeah, not being a it sounds so simple, but not being afraid to put your stuff out there uh, is is really really important. As soon as you put it out there, good things happen. So, and I, I can give you a couple of quick stories if, if you like. But yeah, you know, when it's sitting on a on a hard drive on your computer, gathering digital dust, nobody can see it. Nothing happens. It's not until you put it out to the world that you can start building that, uh, getting the royalties, building the email list, building the backend business, uh, and also getting the feedback so that you can iterate. Um, again, feedback can be really, really useful. And, uh, you know, if, if you accept from the beginning that one or two people are going to be critical in it, probably some of it's constructive, which is great. Some of it's not constructive. And that usually says more about them than it does about you. So that's, that's, the, that's the frame I approach. Yeah.
0: Okay. You've given us a lot of gold today. It's like I'm almost, my head's just spinning. It's so overwhelming. And it's so wonderful. What I'm curious is where are you going next? What project are you working on now? And what are we going to see from you this year and over the coming months?
2: Yeah. And sorry, before I get into that, I just realized I mentioned Sorry, Do you want me to share a very quick story with you about just to illustrate the importance of getting stuff out there?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That, that would be great.
2: Okay, so I, I put the first version of Crush It With Kindle out back in December 2012. And it, late January, early February, uh, I got a call from Jeff Affleck, who was the uh, marketing manager for uh like a, a little team of people. So it was, it was Marcy Shimon, uh Chris Atwood, and Janet Bray Atwood. Now, uh, Chris, Marcy, uh, and Janet, they're all New York Times bestselling authors. Marcy, I, I knew, I'd seen it speak at her events, and she's sold over 15 million books traditionally. She uh, She's the author of Happy For No Reason, Chicken, sh- Chicken Soup for the Woman's Soul, and, and various other books, both of which were bestsellers. I uh, worked with Jack Canfield. Uh, and I got invited through Jeff to speak to their mastermind. Now, uh, to, again, to back up a little bit, that, that was based on the very first version, the first edition of Crush of the Kindle, which had only been out for just over a month at the point where Jeff got in touch with me, but he'd got it, he'd read it, got in touch with me. Uh, I've completely rewritten that book since. Uh, the first version was 23,000 words, the current version is 66,000 words. It's got tons and tons of new material. The point is that first version was good enough, even though it's you know if I if I wrote it now I wouldn't be happy with it, but it was good enough at the time to get out there, get in front of people, get noticed. And I found myself a couple of months later presenting to a high-end mastermind group that uh, Marcy, uh, Chris, Janet, Jeff were running, and you know people have paid thousands of dollars to be at that group. And I there was a Q and A at the end, and I had this sort of pinch me moment where I've got Marcy Schum asking me questions about Kindle publishing, because obviously it's there are various differences between you know kindle and amazon publishing and the traditional publishing world and so that's just an example of something which you know it was very it was, a, it was an imperfect first edition by many many measures but it was good enough to get me uh get me connected uh and have uh i ended up speaking with their group uh three times so that's just a little story there to Publishing your book will open doors that you didn't even know were there. I had absolutely no idea I was going to get approached by by Jeff. It didn't it even cross my mind. But then I got this out of the blue um, Facebook message, and it went from there. So uh, that's you know, good things happen when you when you put your stuff out to the world.
0: So. That's amazing. I think that one thing you dialed in under that was so cool is that people forget that you can push an update. It's so easy to do a new edition. You know, when you do a printed book, you can't do like version two until all version one is sold.
2: You yeah, don't sold want to leave a bunch of stuff.
0: <laughs> Whereas with, yeah, or they pulp it. But with digital books and with print on demand, we can put out a new edition today and every edition out there is thrown. If you, I know that you can actually push the new edition to everyone's Kindle device if you want as well. So you can yeah. actually change the edition that people are reading so they get the new freshest edition. That means yeah. we can is, do cool
2: yeah.
0: things. We don't have to worry about uh, what we're putting out now, because if it's not perfect, we can keep making it better and better and better until it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tell me a little uh, bit about yeah. where things are going forward for you.
2: OK, so, yeah, so I'm still doing the uh, the, the sort of teaching side of it. The, um, I have uh, various courses on Kindle publishing, so I'm still doing those and uh, promoting those. Uh, more and more what I'm doing today is working with uh, experts and entrepreneurs to help them get a book of their own. So lots and lots of people who have tremendous expertise would like to have a book, but you know, don't know the process. And so working with them uh, either individually or, or as part of a small group to kind of almost download their, their knowledge and then work with a team of uh, editors, proofreaders to get that polished up. So it, it, you, you've got something that sounds or, or reads as if it's been professionally written as opposed to just simply a, say a transcript. And uh, and get those out to the world and get them. And again, as a, as we touched on earlier, obviously they're coming in from a, uh, one of the positions outside an expert point if you want to. Be. And a, a really key thing, and this uh, this is another question to ask yourself if you're starting out and you want to build a back end business is um, who's my ideal client? Now that may evolve and change over time, so you know the, the answer is probably not going to be set in stone. But if, certainly, if you've been in business for a while, you've probably got a good idea of you know who you really enjoy working with, who's. Uh, who's more lucrative to work with, who's uh, easy to get in as a client. Um, And so kind of going through an exercise and kind of working out who that ideal client is and then you craft a book that's going to attract that client as opposed to, uh, you know, a client who is suboptimal. And, and, you know, that ties in very much with the the 80-20 principle. You know, you you typically get 80% of results from 20% of uh, outputs. I'm a big believer in doing 80-20 analysis before you embark on a project to make sure you're doing the right you're working smart as well as hard on the project, so uh, that's that's my kind of key focus now is is working with entrepreneurs, experts to help them get a book that attracts their ideal prospect, so that they can then.
0: Um, do more with their expertise and and grow the businesses that's amazing i'm so excited to see what's coming for you in the future i know you've done a lot of amazing things over the last eight years i can't wait to see what you do over the next date. is there any special message or advice you'd like to share with our audience just to close out today because i know already they're taking crazy notes and they're like ready to take action
2: uh yeah just you know uh, take action is that you just mentioned that that's the key that Over and over again, whether it's publishing or anything else, uh, what I notice between the people that are are very successful and the people that that are not successful is that the successful people take action. So get that book written, get it published. You know, it's probably not going to be perfect first time out of the gate. That's okay because you know, but it gives you a learning opportunity. Again, I've already said this. You know, you as soon as it's out there, you get feedback. You mentioned that you know you can have you can republish. Uh, very, very quickly, and have the new edition going out to everybody else. There's no break in sales. Uh, and if you make significant changes to your book, as you say, Amazon will actually email you, you can let them know and encourage them to do it, but they'll actually email out to anybody who's bought the book previously, which puts you top of mind. So they get the, the new edition for free, uh, which is also helps, helps build goodwill. And, um, you know, you've got everybody starts somewhere, however small, even if it's only a handful of copies and a handful of email leads and a handful of people on your social channels. Uh, the sooner you start it's like the old proverb about when's the best time to plant a tree well 20 years ago when's the second best time today it's it's exactly the same so uh yeah take action get get something out there doesn't don't worry about it you know good but it doesn't have to be perfect and then get the feedback iterate if you need to
0: and and then Take it from that. Well, wow, that's amazing. John, thank you so much for spending time with us today. We really appreciate it. Guys, I hope you really enjoyed everything John had to share. This was an amazing interview. I hope you can appreciate that. Even though I was recording in the middle of the night, sometimes my internet connection is not perfect. So sorry if my face or my voice got a little bit fuzzy. If you want to learn more about John and some of the amazing things he can do, you can check him out at his website, crushitwithkindle.com.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Serve No Master. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll be back next Tuesday with more tips and tactics on how to escape that rat race. Head over to servenomaster.com forward slash podcasts now for your chance to win a free copy of Jonathan's bestseller, Serve No Master. All you have to do is leave a five-star review of this podcast. See you Tuesday.
0: Ready to turn your book into a bestseller? Find out what other authors don't want you to know at servermaster.com slash secrets.